spent a lot of time last week talking about the committed Christian. Um, and then we got in a little bit of talking about the resilient Christian. Because we said we're going to hit a few Christians. The, the freelance Christian, the nonchalant Christian. Those are the parts I'm excited to get to. But, you know, I got to be patient. Um, so we talked about resilience is uh, the ability to uh, uh, enduring the seemingly impossible until you push into the possible realm. So resilience is enduring the seemingly impossible, and all of us get into situations that are seemingly impossible, insurmountable. Um, almost like there, there's nothing I could do about this, but you got to keep pushing through, Jackie, until you cross over into the, the, the possible realm, right? We, we, our job is Christians are convert impossibility. You know, place a demand on God and convert impossibly. So the scripture says in Mark 9:23, all things are possible to them that believe. And so that, that the belief, it takes a committed passion to believe. I mean, imagine we talked about this last week with Jesus, but imagine Jesus coming here, giving up his deity to become man, you know, and to show us how to to almost to to operate heaven on earth you know, to pull on the impossible or the supernatural in the earth realm, but as a natural man. You know, so he had to utilize something he never had to utilize in heaven, and that's belief. And to believe through all that was the seemingly impossible. I mean, people coming at him, uh, uh, trying to beat him and doing all types of stuff. Now he's believing through all this on the other side of this, I'm going to die. So, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be broken to my ultimate. And, and, and in that death, God. So I'm going to empty all of myself completely. I'm going to give out everything that's in me. I'm going to give out everything that's in me with all my heart, soul, and might. And I'm going to believe that once I empty everything, all of my intellect, all of my experiences, right? All of my traditions, I'm going to empty all those out. All my, my defaults, the things that I depend on. Now, now, when I say empty out intellect, it's not just the people that are smart. Some people that think they're not. They got to empty all that out too. All of the assessments of myself. And I'm trusting God can resurrect me from there. This is what Jesus did. He's believing that, okay, like I'm emptying out. Then after all of that, I'm believing that God has been with me my entire life. See, we're trying to get to communion. He had been in communion. God has been with me my entire life. I'm going to allow, I'm going to take on the sins of the world and allow him to leave me. Trusting that he's coming back to fill me back up and to resurrect me. Now, this is what Jesus was processing through. Right? And as the scripture says in Hebrews 12, he believed, you know, he endured the cross because of the glory that was set before him. So he was looking past the cross to sitting on the right hand of the Father. This is what he was believing. See, we're looking past our cross. The scripture says, Z, what is it? Deny myself, take up the cross and follow him. So the scripture says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. But we're denying ourselves first is what he did. All of ourselves. Right? So that's all our heart, soul, and might. Taking up our cross. What God has purposed us to do, the preparation for our purpose, the cross is just a preparation. But there's a purpose, there's a promise, there's a fulfillment, there's some, there's some wonderful things about to take place. But you, gotta, you can't skip over the cross, though. Right? So Jesus looked, see, but the thing is, don't, you're not taking up your cross to focus on it. I can't believe I'm going through this craziness. No, you're taking up the cross because it's a, it's a requisite, it's, it's a requirement for you to be able to handle what's on the other side of it. What Jesus went through helped them to handle sitting with all power. See, 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 look at the little bit of power we have. You know, like you, you get to adult, you have kids, and now you got power. Now do that. Go sit over there. You know, you, you're sitting right by the telephone. You know, come get this phone. And I'm going to tell you right now what your kids are thinking. You get the phone. You're right next to the phone. You know, you're sitting there, you know, you're sitting there in the kitchen and you're like, hey, come in here and go and get me something to drink out of the refrigerator. <laughs> you closer to the refrigerator than me? So, so, it's abuse of power, right? <laughs> look, look, look. 
He's like, you, uh, Ma, you listening to Pastor? Because he's talking to you. <laughs> right? So, so it's a responsibility with power, right? You, 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 you're able to handle it better if you've embraced your cross. If you haven't embraced your cross, you'll get the power and be like, yeah, yeah. You know, imagine if you could feed 5,000. Pray, just pray and 5,000 people get 15,000 totally men, women and children. But imagine if you could do that. Imagine if you could, you could just take some clay, slap it in somebody's eye and they could see. Imagine if you could walk on water. Some of us would be doing it just for some likes <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook and Twitter and stuff, right? You know, look, 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 look. I don't have my phone with me. But like we'd be... You know, you know, just so we go viral, right? Which is not the purpose of it, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, so because you haven't went through no cross, so you take it, you'll be a sideshow. You know, right? So, so it's, it's, the, the cross is for a reason. Now, the cross is the commitment part. Hoping that we cross over into the passion. See, see the cross, that's the commitment part. Hopefully you'll cross over to the passion. See, that dude's hanging on a cliff. That's what it looks like. <laughs> he ain't hanging. He chilling. He's not worried about falling. Falling is not an option. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on that cliff. But see, he's able to, to be on the cliff because he's endured the cross. Right? See, see, we look at cliffs like, oh, my God, I hope I don't fall. See, see, but God's trying to cross us over into being on a cliff like, what's up? <laughs> like, because that's an experience to be suspended in air like that. Knowing that, like, this, this is what I do. This is, this is the place that I'm at. See, God needs us to experience that level of altitude, to be out there with knowing God got you. Right? That's a whole nother level of passion, right? So I know that was last week. <laughs> right? And uh so so um so so commitment is 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 enduring as seeing the unseen. Because you're seeing something Jamal nobody else sees. So 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 when you say when you say, hey, we're gonna go do this now, and why would you go do that? How you know that's gonna work? I mean you're already working for a law firm. Why would you go to, why would you stop working to go to another state? What are you kidding? What's wrong with you? You know, what's the chances of, they don't even know you there. What's the chances of you being a partner in a place you've never been? You going to go out on that cliff? Are you serious? You need to stay here where everybody know you, right? Right? That's, that happened, didn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't take it lightly. It don't happen to everybody. <laughs> right? Don't take it for granted. There's more. <laughs> There's more. There's some stuff you can see on the cliff that you couldn't see if you didn't go out there. Right? So anyway, uh, I was sharing this. I was talking to a young man this week uh, that uh, had an opportunity to mentor in, when I did a, a campus Bible study in Ohio. Uh, and um, we were talking about how our life is, it's, it's uh, so I gave him the story of climbing a mountain. And, um, and the thing is, when you first start, get on the mountain, you're at a fast pace. You know, because you're starting out. You know? <laughs> Ooh, get up this mountain. But, but as you start to climb, you know, depending on how the mountain is, your pace slows down. See, see, when you first start, you wouldn't even have got on a mountain if you didn't think you can get to the top. So you, you're, 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 ex you're excited. We're on the mountain. But then you get halfway and you, you, you can be tempted to slow down. And in some cases, some people try to carve out a niche in the mountain. We'll just live right here. Because it's like, I can't go all the way back there. But is there a top to this mountain? And so, so some people are tempted to live right there in the middle of that mountain, paralyzed. Uh, I, was, I was talking to my wife about this. She said when they, when they was climbing, uh, the Crowder's Mountain. She says, she says, so she says, baby, I relate because halfway up, I was like, I, I can't do this. Oh, well, it seemed like she was halfway up. 
She was like, well, I can't do this. You know, I, I'm, I'm done. But then she realized, I don't went so far. I, I might as well keep going. I've gone too far now. Listen, I'm, I'm not just talking about my wife. I've gone too far now. I might as well keep going. And then she said, uh, so she, you know, <laughs> she toughed it out. She says, well, I kept going and come to find out I wasn't halfway up the mountain. I was, I was almost three quarters. Oh, I was almost at the end. You said, you said seven minutes or? Probably ten minutes. Ten minutes. I was ten minutes from the top. But it seemed like I was so far away. And when I got to the top, oh, my God. It was so worth it to experience that. See, God wants us to experience what's on the top of the mountain. We've been hanging around, hanging around, going. We get to the mountain. We're going around the mountain and around the mountain. No, no, no. We got to elevate. God's trying to get us to elevate. Elevate. New beginnings, right? And, um, you know, and it's, uh, you're tempted to give up, but it'd be exhilarating when you get to the top. You'll see. Uh, what God has for you. And that's how God's faithfulness with us is. You know, his faithfulness is um, way, it's beyond our limits. His faithfulness is beyond our limits because we, we're going to have limits. You're going to get to the end of yourself. But that's when your spiritual generator kick in and you start to see what God can really do in your life. So you experience more God when you need him, not when you're in control. I so so don't bail out at the first sign of challenge. I know challenges, man, listen. Challenge is hard. And then if you've gone through challenge, you're like, okay, that's enough. You know, you know how we approve ourselves? We go, well, I've been through enough. I remember when I started hearing about ministry, uh, I had had been in, you know, grew up in New Jersey, so I was in New Jersey for twenty nine years, moved to Ohio. So I moved to Ohio in ninety one. And then I joined the church. We joined the church in 92. So maybe 94, 95, we was going to these classes called Fivefold Ministry Class, and they start talking about ministry. And so the pastor gave an example of this guy that was at a ministry for like 17 years. And uh, it was a ministry out in California, so the, so the, the pastor came to him. Uh, the story was told. The pastor came to him and said, well, hey, uh, uh, it's time for you to go out, you know, to, to minister well, how it went, the guy came to the pastor, and the first time the pastor said, well, no, you're not ready. Then the second time he sent them out, and he sent them out, they paid him for two years uh, to start his own ministry, and then after two years, they came back and, and collected an offering of about $80,000 and then released them. It has well over 5,000 members now. But when I first heard the story, I was like, 17 years? And this is the first thing I said to myself, well, it won't take me that long, you know, all the stuff I've been through. You know, God's going to grandfather that in, you know, because I, I felt I've gone through a lot. Now, I didn't go through my cross for what I was purposed to do. I went through the stuff I went through because I was disobedient. But I figured we just grandfathered that in because it was excruciating. And so in a million years, you would have never told me because at the time. So let's see, I came out, I met you. I was 30. We married at 31. This is probably, I'm 33, maybe 34 years old. So I'm like, and at the time, I'm, I'm old. You know, like, this, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, this, oh, yeah. this is what I was thinking. Well, I was thinking old for, like, to be going through 17 years of anything, which is how y'all be thinking, all right? Y'all relate now, right? Why y'all looking at each other like, you trying to say we old? Just, just well, let me finish the point before y'all, right? So... So I'm, I was like, ain't nobody going through 17 years of nothing. Well, I was at that church for 18 years. Even beyond the other guy. And come to find out the guy wasn't at the church for 17 years. you like, he was, well, he was, he didn't, I worked for the church for 12 years. He kind of was volunteering and maybe worked for the church for a couple years. And then he eventually started the ministry. So 18 years, you would have never told me in many years we would have went through 18 years of anything. Because I figured I'd already been through enough stuff. But during my climb on the mountain, maybe when I was like halfway, the Lord said, well, I can tell you now. Uh, that other stuff you went through, I didn't, that, that had nothing to do with what I'm preparing you for. That's, that was your mess. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you back then because you probably wouldn't have got on the mountain. But I thought I'd let you know now. That was your mess. Now, I, no, I'm not grandfathering it in. It had nothing to do. One has nothing to do with what I need you to be able to handle going forward. All right? Right, but, but, but 
man, I'm I'm so thrilled. God knows exactly what he's doing. Now, again, if I would have, if you'd have told me it's going to take 18 years, I would have been like, okay, well, just sign me up for something else. What, what, what is quicker? <laughs> you know, like if you go to college, you'd be like, okay, what, what can I get my education quick, still get the benefits of a degree, and get up out of here? That's kind of how I was thinking, like, just sign me up for, what's the fast thing, whatever's fast, you know. I just do that. Like, ain't nobody trying to do 18 years or nothing. You know, I wasn't even trying to go through 18 years of school to get a degree, so let alone. But, but God knew what he was doing because for us to handle everything God has been throwing at us, we needed all 18 years, probably, and then some. I'm not saying you got to go through 18 years. Don't, you know. <laughs> no, don't start crying, you know. But, the <laughs> but you got to go through your process, and as soon as you start the process, it'll help. So don't get bailed out at the first sign of challenge because people change through challenge. People, not through pacification. Now, pacification is not, I don't think it's in the dictionary. So before y'all start, you're making up words. But y'all knew what I meant when I said it, didn't you? Yeah. Pacification. Right? People don't go through that when you just pacify them. You know, baby them. Yeah. You know, oh, baby, you all right? Nobody grows through that. What you're doing is you're making people comforting with, comfortable where they're at. And the thing is, God is trying to evolve us. No, if you stay where you're at, you're fine. Everybody in the room, if you stay where you're at, you're fine. But for you to actually handle what God is sending you to, you're going to have to stretch yourself a little more. Because it's not about what you're willing to do. It's about what God has purposed you to do. And which is exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Did you get that? All right, good. All right, so, so, so now with that in mind, you're not going to be pacified. It's not putting you down. It's not putting you down. Y'all know, y'all know what a pacifier is, right? Yeah. You're trying to stop somebody from whining, right? <laughs> right? And so sometimes if, if, if you hadn't been developed properly, you, you, you'll be whining for the rest of your life until somebody pacifies you, right? Because you know the purpose of the, the child is trying to manipulate the situation. I'm uncomfortable. Come for me as soon as possible. Oh, oh unless you want to hear me crying up in here, you better start comforting. No, 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 no. Watch the game. No, we won't be watching the game. You'll be giving me attention. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've experienced that, you know, little camp. Yeah, that's nice. You looking for to see the Cowboys today, ain't you, Daddy? Oh, no, you're not. You're going to focus on me right now. Oh, you're not going to focus on me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ken, chill out, chill out. Chill. I'll just, hey, hey, I'll just play. I'm just playing. It's all about you. Well, we grow and we flow the same way. We cry. When we don't get our way, when we're uncomfortable. Or uh, 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 my little guy, uh, he, uh, I, was, I was talking to him the other day. He has a, a pouting thing he, he tries to do. And so the other day we was outside, just to show you how it works. The other day we was outside, and he was just standing there with a pout. I said, are you serious right now? Now, this is how old is Zaman? I, I put Zaman on, on the video. They're going to know. Seven years old. So, he, so I went up to him. I was like, Really? I said, we pouting right now? I said, you know that stuff don't be working, man. Come on. He started laughing. He said, now this is his exact words. He said, it normally works on everybody else. <laughs> Those are his exact words. Because wow. most of the time, ain't nobody paying him no mind. I watch him. He's hoping it's chaos. If it's chaos, he can go, I can do my thing. Because ain't nobody paying me no mind. He don't even like when Pastor Keith come around because I'm paying attention. But come on, man, stop, stop, stop. He's like, man, that's how he used to be when he was young. Oh, just like that. He, he probably don't remember, but he used to be all tight. He knew all the games. And I used to come up to him and you see his face like, oh, here he go again, messing up my groove. I got this thing working. I'm working. They're they so busy. They ain't paying attention to what I'm doing. And then you're going to bring it to their attention. Pastor, go about your business, man. <laughs> I got a system here. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, you know, that's kind of how it works, right? And, 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 but some of us are like that. We grown people and we be pouting. Because we ain't getting our way. If, we got, if you got your way, you'll lose your way. So if you got your way, you'll lose the way. 
See, see, God's trying to get you someplace. And you can, you can fight to be comfortable where you are at the expense of getting where God's trying to take you. Right? All right, so, 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 so committed passion means I'm going to have to embrace the uncomfortable things. With all the accolades, listen, I get it, man. You guys show up at Ayers and, you know, you got props here and this platform. Your whole family thinks you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, and we do too. We think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. But you're the greatest thing that have to be challenged for God to take you to the next level. And I, I signed up to be obedient, not to be a babysitter. All right, so, so, this, <laughs> all right, so, so uh, as, as the scripture, just so you have it, Luke 9, 25, uh, take up your cross, uh, well, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And so, so in this, to, to be committed, um, we can't compromise because uh, compromise is a temporary quench, not a long-term appetizer. It's a temporary quench, but not a long-term appetizer. So it doesn't give you all that you're going to need, but it may make you comfortable in the moment. You know, just like if, you, if it's a hot day and you grab a Coca-Cola, it's a, it, it seems like it, it feels like a temporary quench. Well, it's only quenching I got something to drink, but it's not quenching your thirst because it dehydrates you, Right? See, so, so, but it sets you up like you feel like, and you be throwing them things down. We be having cookouts and stuff, and they be filling up the coolers with pop, I don't know, or soda, whichever one y'all call it. I don't know why. It ain't quenching nobody's thirst. And I, I see young people, they be running, <laughs> throwing them things down. You know why? Because it's just creating thirst. <laughs> All right, so anyway, so some of the things we take in in the world does the same thing. It creates thirst. It doesn't quench your thirst. The things of God quenches your thirst. That's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things will be added. Right? So, so we have to uh, learn to conquer challenges. Okay? Learn to conquer challenges. So, so uh, I'm going to try to take my time because I know I'll be going fast. But conquering challenges will engrave scars into the road of freedom. Right? And that will create landmarks or breadcrumbs for others to follow you out. I'm going to repeat that. So if we conquer challenges, what it does, it engraves scars into the road of freedom. Right? So, and what that does, it, it creates landmarks, or we can call them breadcrumbs, for others to follow you out. See, if you skip all the challenges, you may arrive at a place, but nobody can follow you. Because there's been no etched marks through challenge scars for people to follow your trail there's no breadcrumbs along the way because you skipped you got around you maneuvered or manipulated around every challenge and situation so you may arrive at a place one that you can't handle so eventually you're gonna fall people have a false sense of how to achieve what you've achieved because you know it's not about you it's about us and so the breadcrumbs have to be easy to follow. I, I've shared this a lot of times here, but, you know, I was in a, a situation where I was following somebody. And the breadcrumbs, like, say, so the person dropped the breadcrumb right here. So, okay, so I'm going to follow this one, right? This is my first step. The next breadcrumb might have been outside somewhere. So how do I find the next breadcrumb? I got to search the whole room. May never, I may be in here all day. Go through the whole building, but I still don't have my next step. So I'm dealing with uncertainty and frustration. I could be tempted. I can be tempted to compromise because I don't know where I'm going. The person ahead of me, the person that's fitly joined in the family was supposed to be creating easy way for me to follow stuff. But they gave me a false sense of doing stuff. I was talking to Pastor King uh, last time I was in Ohio. He came out and spoke uh, about three, four weeks ago. And he was saying, he said, you know what, people be watching well, as they grow in ministry, they be watching the, uh, a lot of stuff on TV, and a lot of times that's the 1%. And so they think they want to be like the 1%. But those are rare situations. But they're not looking at a realistic path. You know, so, so as people have been growing with the church, you know, they'll go, well, over there they're doing such and such. Yeah, okay, what does that have to do with us organically growing? Imagine if I came to you and says, well, the way I've done things is Stephanie is this way. And I don't know why Gerard doesn't do it exactly like me. We're design different. You see what I'm saying? 
Heirs is designed different. And it's a, we grow together versus we grow and y'all get there when y'all get there, but we'll see y'all. <laughs> it doesn't grow. The breadcrumbs have to be close together. So sometimes we got to stop and wait. You, you ever following somebody in a car? And a, a, a good person that you're following, they're, they're moving, but they're keeping sight of you too. But you ever see the people that they gone. I thought, I thought we was following the right black car, and especially at night, because the cars be looking alike. First thing, they don't flow, because they're not, they're, they're focused on where they're going, not who's following them. But the people that's focused on who's following, what do they do? They may pull off, put their hazards on, you know, they may create, they create a way to make it easy for you to follow. You hear what I said? You hear what I said? Yeah, so that's what the goal is. So you're making it, so sometimes you got, you may have to wait a little bit before you move to your next stage because you want to make sure everybody can see where you're going. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So it may take a little time because everybody is not paying attention all the time. Everybody can't see all the time. But you, but you ever see some people that, that, okay, so you're riding with some people, you're the last car, so everybody's following you. And the people up front, they're gone. Like they, they're like, well, I don't want to wait for nobody, so I'm, so I'm going. Well, we'll see y'all when y'all get here. Versus, hey, let us all flow together, right? All right, so, so you got me so far. We're still talking about committed passion, but I, I just want to make sure we're clear. All right, this is the thing. You have to ask yourself this as you're, because committed passion is not just about you. See, the passion part is about others. Jesus' commitment was extreme but it wasn't just about him. It was about others. So let me ask you this. So you, you're giving Jesus Christ, you know, you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and your life is changing somewhat. Right? Athena, your life is changing. All right, so your life's changing, and you're like, man, my life is better now. But who else's life is changing around you because your life changed? Right? Is it just for you? Like, are you influencing, sharing with, it, with anybody else? So ask yourself this, this, this question. Um, can you be followed? Uh, or a better question, are you worth following? Are you worth following? Now, we talked about uh, some leadership stuff in, tra in the transition meeting this morning, and we said that it's a, it's a, it's a responsibility. This is like, my, my name is Keith. Uh, if, you, if you research it, it means secure. I didn't name myself, but it just happens to mean secure. And most of my life, in the young life, of course, I was insecure like everybody else. Why you ain't calling me? Do you love me? I've, I've been through those things. But, but as I grew into who I was, I've, been, I've, I've had a peace with who I am. You know, I had a, I got, when I was young, I was really disturbed about my lip because, so I would talk like, you know, try to hold my lip in because, you know, people used to crack on my lip. You know, when you're younger, I had to show you some old pictures. I think I, I got, I grabbed a couple, uh, but us Bradleys, we have the lip reputation, you know. And so I just, because, you know, because I had, to, you know, you young kids are cold, you know, Keith with the big lip or, you know, like, why y'all? No, no, I, I'm more about. No, no, I was, I was, re, I was actually playing a role. I was saying like, why are you talking about my lip? And so, but as I got older, I was like, well, God, for fearfully one who made me, gave me the lip. So I guess He wanted me to have uh, the big lip or whatever. Um, so like, I my height, I want to be taller because I was playing basketball. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I like the height I am. You know, uh, I crack. You know, I crack jokes now. Like I jump higher than you though. You know, I just, you know, I play around with people. I like ex everything God gave me. But I grew to be secure. See, so, and, and, and this is not boasting, but I said to myself, if somebody betrays me, if somebody overlooks me, if somebody uh, is willing to reject me, they just don't know me. And maybe they don't have the capacity to see my value. But that doesn't mean I'm not valuable. You see what I'm saying? I had to shift my focus. I said that to say as a pastor, you know, you, uh, listen, we got some phenomenal men and women of God at this church. 
I don't care. Listen, y'all need to show up on Fast Week more often, you know, because we have all different types of people teaching besides myself. Powerful. This past past week, Fast Week, powerful. Or to some of the people that you have ministering, you got the ministers, you got some of the up-and-coming ministers are ministering in this this church. Uh, you can hear some couple people uh, coming here soon. Um, but uh, I can't be insecure. You know, you got people that have giftings, giftings to write, giftings to preach. And anybody here that has a gifting and I have an opportunity to, to, to assist it, interview them. Do your thing. I'll go out my way to endorse them. I just got a call. From, uh, we just got a, a, a information from somebody. They, they, they relaunched their channel. So it was like, well, could I pull videos from uh, this minister also? I was like, sure, no problem. Just yes, this was yesterday, right? Just yesterday, you know, uh, you know, the guy that was doing the channel in Australia is, is uh, put the, the channel back on, so you know he has us back on that channel, and so you know, s- you know, certain people he may see he likes. So I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Like, you know, uh, DJ was telling me he was ministering out of town. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna get say the details. I'll just say what you. S- and we were sitting eating. What did I say? I said, man, I forgot to pray for DJ. Like, why? First of all, my role, our role is to pastor. Our role is to protect hearts. That's why if you're here, watch how you interact with the, the, the sheep because you don't want to be leading people outside of God's will and God didn't give you that responsibility. Don't be leading people in your personal preferences. That ain't even, we don't even do that. Like, I don't have everybody today. I'm not going to say. I was going to say what everybody should be watching. You know, right? But <laughs> don't be shaking your head over there. All right, so, so but, but, but I don't teach personal preferences. I don't teach politics. I don't get into that because everybody has a particular preference. This is for prophetic, to guide us in our spiritual walk and our spiritual life. And the other thing is, we are mindful, we're praying for, we're responsible for souls here. Now, when you just start grabbing people and just telling them what you think you want them to hear, are you responsible for their soul? See, so I'm secure there. My wife, my wife goes, travels, she does whatever, talks to all types of people. Do I be tripping? I'm not tripping because guess what? Can't nobody be keeped to her? I was designed for that, that woman. Like, I, I know this. Uh, y'all don't care what y'all think. Y'all can say whatever y'all want. I was designed for her. So I'm not like really flipping and tripping. You try. Try if you want. But, but the same deal. She was designed for me. Like, like listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, I don't know what I'd do without a Pastor Melanie. That woman right there. Not any Pastor Melanie. Her. Pastor Melanie Marie Bradley from Columbus, Ohio. Just to get specific. Born January 17th, 19, 1962. Just, you know, let's, let's get it clear. Leroy and Marjorie's daughter. <laughs> right? That's who I was designed to be with. So I'm saying this because we got to grow to be secure in our fearfully and wonderfully made design. Right? Because we, we tripping like, well, they ain't thinking about me. Who in their right mind would not think about you? Or do you think that's so less of yourself that somebody would just not think about you? Maybe it's just not your turn, but it's not like nobody's not thinking about you. Not around here. I don't, all these great people, I already know everybody in this building has got some greatness in them. Y'all be running sometimes, but I got my eye on you. <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> got my eye on you. Because she's gifted, and, and you know, y'all going to see. Y'all going to see. Leslie packing. Yes, yes, yes. Y'all going to see, so, you know, so, you know, we've been graceful, you know, just working with her, you know, because we, we're serving her, but watch, watch. Remember when Trina broke out? Like people, I don't know, the people that saw her, Trina broke out, listen, Trina, it was first fast week, the podium's here, Trina came, she set her Bible and her, 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 her notes down and just started flowing. Never went back to word coming out. Then she starts speaking into people's lives prophetically. Right before that, the last time we had seen Trina speak, she was shaking with the mic. Like, I thought, I was, I was like, 
I don't know what their budget is, but that might that might cost some money, don't but powerful. Powerful. Right? Because you got great people. So I know that. Now y'all have to see yourselves as great. We do. Like, we're honored, right, to see all this greatness around here. But anyway, um, so 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 in embracing this challenge, I want to give you this quote is is by Theodore Roosevelt, but it says, It's not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. You know, people are good for that. Or where the doer of deeds could have done better. You know, people are good for that. You know, coaching from the stands. The credit belongs to the person who's actually in the arena. Whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood and strives valiantly. Who errs, makes mistakes, who comes short again and again. Because there's no effort without error or shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, gets back up again and gets back up again. Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause. Who at least knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if they fail, at least fails while daring greatly. So that their place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory or defeat. See, we can sit back and, be, and critique anyone on a platform. It's just one challenge. You have no idea what the person on the platform is experiencing. Is some of us going to watch the game today? Oh, man, why are you going to throw it there? I mean, you should have threw it over there. Easy for you to say. You ain't been in a stadium with 105,000 people yelling, some people threatening your life and all types of stuff. Somebody twice your size running at you ready to break you in half. You ain't been there. You just watching like it's some video game. Oh, just throw it over there. Like you could just push the button and make the, the grown person throw it where you want them to throw. The other thing you don't know is the plays that were called. So the play... Because this was happening with basketball. People would come to the game and we had a play, out of bounds play, you throw it to me and immediately I throw it right back to you as soon as you step in because they ain't paying you no mind. Well, some people would forget to play. He would throw it in and not step in. I would throw the ball where they should be and it'd go out of bounds. So people understand, why do you keep throwing the ball out of bounds? But what you didn't know is I threw it where somebody should have been. Now, I'm not just talking about basketball. I'm saying in life too. Sometimes the failure is somebody is not where they're supposed to be. You see, sometimes it's, it's people are not where they're supposed to be. Right? See, see, the thing is, there's always a big picture. There's always other things to consider. But we only look at outcomes. And, and we look at outcomes today as opposed to looking at the whole picture. See, the thing is, uh, there was interviewing Jordan one day, Michael Jordan, and he was like, and they was like, man, you're so great, this, that, and the other. He said, but do you know how many shots I've missed? Game-winning shots. Like, well, I've, you know how many games I blew? He says, people are talking about the greatness I have, but they didn't see all the failures for me to get there. If we were the light bulb. That, that, that dude failed a thousand times. Some of us, after the first failure, be like, there ain't no such thing as a light bulb. But you, you got to forge through and press through the challenge. You got to have committed passion. It doesn't look like it's going to turn out. As you're going through it. Now, you sign on to be a Christian. Do you know the adversary is trying to attack you because you decided you wanted to live for God? So now he's like, oh no, you're trying to break camp? Hey, 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 hey. What? She leaving? Oh, please, man. We always get her. I tell you what. Uh, dispatch uh, lust demon, uh, strife demon, misunderstanding demon. That normally works. So he's trying to get you. Because you breaking out before you like, how come this stuff didn't happen before? Because you were in the camp. He had all access to your life. He could take your life at any time. Now you're trying to cross over to the point of you have power to, to get under the word of God that says you shall live and not die. Nothing formed against you can prosper. All things work together for good for those that love you and are called according to your purpose. Oh no, we, we're not having that. 
He's going to attack you, hoping you, you magnify the attack instead of magnify God. That's what he's hoping. Then, then he hopes you do something even which is worse. You pretend that the attack is not existing and you don't run under God's tabernacle. You get overconfident and go, it's not really an attack. And you start to be a theorist. You know what a theorist is. Uh, actually, I, I, I have to give it to you next week, but uh, Thea gave me, I saw uh, uh, Tia, she has some notes on, on theorists and, and pragmatists and stuff like that. So I grabbed her notes, uh, but I forgot to put it in my notes today. <laughs> but, the, you know, just talking. You know, you, you, you making, making believe you blessed. Don't nobody, ain't nobody looking at that. They're looking at the results. Right, but you don't have to do that. You can actually manifest God in everything around you, right? But you're going to have to be committed. So commitment defines the life of a finisher. Like, 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 like we have to get to a place where we finish some things. You have to experience finishing. Like, hey, try it this month. Finish a book, please. Just one. Just, just one. I mean, you can go back to your scamming through and reading chapters. I already know you're doing it. You know, like you said, yeah, I, I read that book. Did you read the book or did you read some of the book? Because reading the book means you completed it. Finish the book. Finish the project. Finish the workout. Like, like we all, we, we, we have to experience finishing. And, and, and what, what, what tempts you to not finish is when it gets uncomfortable. You start out with a lot of zeal, like on that mountain. If you're feeling good. It's looking good. Everything. Yeah, people hyping you up. Oh, you sweet, man. You can do this. You can do this. But then the uncertainty kick in. Then there's no crowd yelling and screaming. Everybody, oh, you're wonderful. Because, you, know, you know, you got achievements when you first start out. Oh, ah, woo. Right, but then... Then all of a sudden you don't hear no ha ah, 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 ah. Like, don't hear somebody? <laughs> somebody little praise? Yeah, yeah. You gotta keep going. You gotta finish. And so, so, so I was sharing this with, with, with my wife, and I've shared this before. What God showed me in my life is all you just start with me. So the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things will be added. Matthew 6.33. So he says, in everything you do, start with me. We were talking about on God Talk yesterday, God's will and his perfection. Right? So he says, you have need of patience after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Right? Hebrews 10.36. 2nd. Uh, 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 Peter 3.15, I believe it's right. It says, now I might be saying the wrong scripture, but I got it in my notes. But be, be not unwise, but, but, but know what the will of the Lord is. It could be Ephesians 5.25. I don't know. It's one of those scriptures. But that, it's in the Bible. So be not unwise to understand what the will of the Lord is. I remember my wife did a teaching on uh, uh, the perfect will of God. And she was saying how the, the will of God is the word of God. And so, so the thing is, so what I start in my life is, okay, God, what are you saying? Even when it seems obvious, because you have opportunity decisions, you have purpose decisions, you realize we can do a lot of things. Uh, some of us are multitasked, we can do a lot of things, but you're not trying to do a lot of things, you're trying to do the thing. Now, the thing may have multiple facets to it, but you want to make sure you're God first. Now, once I play off of God first, I don't care what comes at me, who told me to do it? God. All right, so God told me to move to Columbus, Ohio. I was pursuing professional basketball, kind of moving up there and doing, doing pretty decent. Um, some might say beyond decent. And God told me to move to Ohio. I was like, Ohio? And, I, and, and I've told you this story before, but I was like, uh, they probably don't even play basketball in Ohio. I know that makes absolutely no sense, but I'm from Newark, New Jersey. I didn't know any better. I was like, we're going to Ohio. So I go to, I go to Ohio, but what kept me through trying to find jobs, uh, trying to find my niche and what I was supposed to do is God sent me here. So, so I, I kind of grow, grow in Ohio, met my wonderful, wonderful wife. So I'm working at a job and God is telling me, leaning for me to leave the job. 
Now, I, I took uh, new jobs before, took cutting pays. I used to go to interviews like, okay, hire me to do this position. I've never done it before. Pay me what you want. In 90 days, I need for you to reevaluate me. And if I'm doing what this job requires, I need a raise. That, I, I, I was, this is just the way I was. And I would get the raise. Right, because I can learn systems. I'm not just teach me what your system is. I can learn systems. So, uh, so I go to Ohio. You know, I'm working, moving up the ladder. And uh, I got in. I was in social services and corrections. And God tells me to leave the job. Now I'm like, no, I got a family now. God, we, we don't want to. Maybe no. Maybe it's not God. Maybe that's me. Why would I tell myself to leave the job? <laughs> I'm comfortable. And so God said it. So I did it. I skipped a lot of stuff because I needed some confirmation too. I needed like, you know, was it, was it Gideon that needed the fleece? I needed like seven fleeces and, and four donkeys talking to me. <laughs> but I did it. What kept me through the challenges of leaving that job was God told me to do it. God sent me to a church. Yeah, I said I was there for 18 years. Oh, I went through a whole lot of that church. But guess what? You know why I didn't leave? Because God told me to go there. He planted me there. He was preparing me for something. And it was at times excruciating. At times like, are you kidding me? Have you people done lost your mind? But guess what? If God didn't tell me to do anything else, I was like, well, I'm just going to deal with it. And it might have seemed, well, are you crazy? People was even thinking, hey, dude, what you got right now, you could just roll out. But I didn't because God told me. God told me that was my wife. We, we went through ups and downs. I'm from Newark, New Jersey. She's from Columbus, Ohio. Right? So we had to work to merge to become one. But guess what? Divorce was never an option for me. You know why? Because God told me that was my wife. So no matter how it looked, that's my... See, the thing is, every, God told us to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. We've never been to Charlotte in our life. And then when things played out different than we thought, when we got abandoned... And we came out here, I'm, I'm not mad at nobody, I'm just giving you perspective. We came out here with the $1,625. What do you think kept us out here? Doing Bible study in our apartment. First of all, the fact that we had to live in an apartment. We had never lived in an apartment in 17 years. So we're in an apartment, $1,625 to start a church. One of the couples that decided to start to, to be a part of the church that was from here the guy needed glasses, they needed groceries, they needed food. So we used up a lot of the money to make sure they got the, what they needed. And we're doing Bible study. Now, I used to step out. I ain't had to do praise and worship. I didn't have to worry about nothing. I used to come out of the, we had, this church was called Faith Stadium. It was shaped like, a, like the stadium, like OSU. And we, you know, we had the little risers and the tunnels. So I would come out the back, come out the tunnel, the back, I just come up when it was time for me to preach. Thousands of people, I just go preach. I went from that to, is anybody coming to Bible study today? I was usually see the pictures. We scroll the pictures. You'll see me sitting there in some chairs. Uh, that, that particular day, we ain't know if anybody was coming. Might have been two people came. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what kept us through that? God sent us here. As people flipped and tripped and manipulated and tried to even sabotage the ministry as we started. You know what kept us? God sent us here. So what I'm saying is committed passion, you're not going to have, you may be committed to something, but you're not going to have a passion if God didn't send you to do it. If God didn't tell you to do it. You, 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 you'll do it for a while. Even that when people come to the church, we just want them. You know what we're looking for? God to say they're supposed to be here. Once God said he's supposed to be here, we're like, okay, we're ready to rock and roll. Why we didn't bring nobody from Columbus, Ohio? God had to tell them to move. If, if we would have told them to move, as soon as we started to challenge them and grow them, be like, well, you don't want to tell me to come here in the first place. But guess what? We ain't tell nobody to come here. I mean, we invite people to the church. That's not what I meant. You know what I mean? We never told no, no one in the room, you, hey, 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 you want to go to hell? If you want to go to hell, you better join this church now. And you better give everything you got. Otherwise, fire is going to burn you. 
We've never done that. Because we know when God tells you something, you'll be able to handle the challenges that come along with it. You're going to kick and scream and second guess. All right, so, so, so we have to be finishers, right? Yes. We have to do what? Finish. Be finishers. So let's go to James chapter 1. Committed passion. And we're talking about the resilient Christian right now. Right? The resilient Christian. Because we've lost sight of that. We've lost sight of how to be resilient. How to, how to be the same no matter what. Alright, we'll start here with verse 2. This is a survival kit scripture. You remember the survival kit discipleship class we've done? Um, this is one of the scriptures. Uh, it says, my brethren, count it all joy. Look, when you fall into diverse temptations, different tests and trials, it says count it all joy. It says knowing this, so I'm counting the joy because I know something. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have its perfect work, complete, mature, finished, finished work, that you'll be perfect, complete, mature, entire, Having finished, lacking nothing. So, flip it. Something's testing me. Trials are coming at me. I panic. I get frustrated, but I'm not counting the joy. I'm not looking at it. This is an opportunity for me to develop some patience. So, so I did a little thing with the youth and, 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 uh, at the, the former church where I kind of created a job situation. And so you had, you had patients, patients shows up and, and says, uh, uh, Mr. Bradley, uh, I would like a job to participate in your life and to assist you in the fulfilling the purpose and vision that God has given you, if that's okay with you, sir. <sighs> I don't know, patients, man, you know, uh, I mean, all my, my job slots are filled, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I got this guy, Fear. He's been rolling with me for quite some time now. We've been with me for a long time. Real long time. And I'm used to fear. You know, uh, I got anger has been rolling with me. And, you know, uh, you know, and then, you know, they give me a report every week of all the worst case scenarios to prepare for. So uh, I don't know, patience, if I can give you a job. But this is the thing. The scripture says, let patience have its perfect work. Employ patience. When you're in these tests, employ patience. It's testing you, forging out the character you're going to need to handle what your gifting and ability is going to produce. So it's a, it's a, it is a given that you're gifted and that you're talented and you, you've been destined for great things. So everything you're sitting around dreaming, it's a given. But it's not a given you're going to be able to handle it. And it's definitely not a given you're going to be able to handle what it produces. See, see, people fall not because they're gifted and talented. They fall because they can't handle what it manifests in their life. They can't handle what it attracts in their life. From the people to the circumstances, they just can't handle it. It's overwhelming. Sometimes they get the big head. Sometimes they get pulled into lust and different things. Why? Because they didn't build the character to handle some of these temptations before they arrived at the destination. Right? All right, so keep that in mind. So the scripture says you're going to be pressed on every side. But don't be distressed. You'll be cast down but not forsaken. The scripture talks about you not being destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. So, so what we're trying to do to have committed passion, we're trying to do the, um, we're trying to make things impossibly possible. Impossibly possible. I know it's a play with words, but. So we must press into the stones in our life to, to, to carve out the promised sculpture. We got to press into the stone. Like, so, so you know, I was, we was in a, we did our uh, Air's Life Conference in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we did two of them. I remember the first one, it was in this uh, facility, and there was a sculptor, a sculpture there. And so, so, I, so I, love, I love art anyway. You know, I'm, a, I'm an art guy. I do graphics and stuff. And um, 
But what I like is how people take something that seemingly looks like nothing and create possibilities. So, so I, I told the story before, but I'll share it again. So this guy, uh, he goes to his friend's house. Uh, the friend is an artist, and he goes, uh, no, the friend is just, a, he's a farmer. So he goes on his, he has all his land. He says, hey, 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 hey. He says, what you going to do with that boulder over there? That boulder? He says, nothing. He says, uh, he says, well, could I, could I have it? He says, sure, man. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You can take the boulder. He said, it's been in my way for the longest. It's just in the way. It's worthless. And so he takes the boulder. So, you know, a month, two months later, the guy goes to visit the artist's house. And he walks in his house and he's looking at his art and stuff like that. And he goes, oh, my God. He says, hey, hey, hey. I'll give you 55000 for this art right now. He said, that, that art right there? He said, yeah, 55000 He said, come on, take it or leave it, 55000 Oh, man, I got to sell it to you, man, 55000 So they go out to eat, go out to eat lunch, and they sit down eating. And he says, hey, you know, I had a question. I wanted to ask you, what do you ever do with that boulder I gave you? He says, uh, I made about $55,000 off of it. <laughs> See, one person saw a boulder. The other person saw a sculpture. See, your circumstances or the challenges or the cross is presented to you as a boulder. But God has placed something in you to carve out a sculpture of what he's promised in your life. See, even the children of Israel, they got to the promised land, but they had to go possess it. Now, some of the tribes was like, hey, man, hey, we here. Where my land? He's like, man, you got to go take it. You have to do something. You have to have committed passion to get your land. You got to believe. Because remember when they, they went to spy out the land, right? Uh, what's that? Uh, Deuteronomy 13 or Numbers 13. He says they went out to spy out the land and, um, and it, it was 12 spies. Ten of them came back like, Phew. it's sweet like they said, but we ain't in that land. It's giants in that land. Look insurmountable impossible people for us to conquer he said and then, then he made say me we're like grasshoppers in their sight well how'd you how would you know how you're in their sight you know you're not like grasshoppers in their sight you you like a grasshopper in your own sight and so joshua and caleb said whoa 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 back up y'all we're well able to possess the land because joshua and caleb was looking through the lenses of god like we got God with us he told us this our land look what did God say to you first God said that's their land so regardless of the giants the circumstances the wars whatever it takes God said that's my land I'm gonna have committed passion to go get it so no matter what boulders are thrown at you just carve them all out in the sculptures and that's what the challenge is. We're allowing the world to tell us what the boulder is. The boulder is an obstacle to you. The boulder is going to crush you. But God is saying, no, the boulder is an opportunity for you to prosper through the boulder if you carve it out right. But you have to have committed passion to be able to press into that stone and carve out what God has for you. Right? And that's why, as Pastor Mel was saying, we got to uh, commit to that word. And, and, you know, the scripture says in Luke 3, verse 5, it says God will make the crooked straight. Right? Have we ever allowed God to make the crooked straight in our life? Or have we run before we've given him the opportunity? All right, so we'll end with this, uh, Mark chapter 4. We'll end with Mark chapter 4. So God is just trying to challenge us because he's brought us all here in this place, um, in this position in our lives, because he's been trying to do things in the earth realm for quite some time, and he was getting some things done, but then people started to abort the mission and compromise and to get distracted and lose sight of God. Uh, the scripture says in Romans 1, not retain God in their knowledge. And so people, people stop being 
uh, creative. Remember the Bible says we're made in this image and after his likeness. Well, God was a creator. He created the world. So we, what we have in us is the ability to create. But, but we, we got punked into all we see is all there is. So all we can do is mimic. All we can do is copy. And we don't do a good job at that. Like we, we can only do what's already been done. Because that's why we say, well, is anybody else doing it? That's why when we're driving, sometimes we'll get in the, the longest line because everybody else is in a line. Not knowing you get in the other lane, you can, you can accelerate ahead and you get up there and be like, man, all this time I was in that line. But there's something in us that we only do what the crowd is doing. But the Bible says narrow is the way that leads to life and peace in Mark chapter 7, verse 13. Right, so God's trying to forge out something different in our life where we're going to have to return to being creators. And, and creators are believers. They believe in something that hasn't been seen yet. They believe in something that's seemingly impossible. They build things that haven't been built before. Right? So they're not conformers, they're transformers. Right? So Mark chapter 4 verse uh, uh, 17. And, and, you know, if you read through this passage, it talks about the soul was sown, the word. It says, you know, uh, uh, some word was sown and, and, uh, and it was stolen immediately. It says some people got offended, as my wife was talking about this morning, and uh, the word was stolen from them. And some was sown, sown on stony ground. And, you know, and uh, well, let's just read here verse 17. It says, um, well, verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. See, just just, just a bunch of boulders in their life. When they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. Right? It says, and have no root in themselves. They don't let it get, take root. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Right? It says these which are they are, are are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and look, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in and choke the word and becometh unfruitful. And it says, uh, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, bring forth fruit, produce some 30, some 60, and some 100. So the only factor of us measuring our lives with committed passion is what level of fruit we're producing, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Everybody may not be producing the same at the same level because we're all different people, right? But we're all supposed to be producing fruit. So we just got word. We know word. We talked about this earlier. We're talking about word. Uh, we receive it with gladness. we excited about the word. No, 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 no. That's not the measure. The measure is you, that word taking root to a point where you're, it's producing in your life. So, so I, I mean, I know the line, God knows my heart. Yeah, but do you? Because we make the statement, God knows my heart, like he's okay with us not producing fruit. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm saying challenge yourself because he that's begun a good work and you will perform it to the day of Christ Jesus. He's taking all the responsibility, just need us, need us to yield. Philippians 1, 1, uh, Philippians 1, 6. And so challenge yourself to be, uh, uh, produce, to manifest fruit. Stop, you know, I'm saying this respectfully, let's not live our life just as theorists. We're always talking about what's going to happen. Now, again, be faithful and call things not as though they were. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying some of us, like, like so I don't know, maybe it's an orange tree or something like that. Maybe it takes seven years for it to produce fruit. But I don't know, no 20-year long trees it takes for them to produce. 15 years, like, you know, it don't, everything has a, uh, to everything there's a, season and a time for every purpose. Everything has a time. And so even a, a farmer with the crops, if there's not producing fruit at a certain time, they may say, okay, this is not the right soil. I'm going to have to uproot uh, this thing. Or I might have to turn the, the soil over or something. I got to do something, but I can't just keep doing what I've been doing. Right? So, so, so God is just trying to get us to a place where, see, when we are producing fruit, we draw attention to him. 
a tree that produces fruit what? It attracts people. Because people, it ain't attract people just to look at it. It attracts people because they want to what? Partake of the fruit. Why? Because they want the nourishment of the fruit. So that's why we have to produce stuff, not just, that's why when you're so about posturing and looking good, you just got people looking at you. But you're not designed to just have people looking at you. You're designed to have people benefit from you, to grow from you, from your nourishment, right? To produce their own fruit, right? That's what our life is about. Right. And so 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 let's challenge ourselves to return to committed passion so we can produce the fruit for other people that can experience committed passion. And, and th- now you have to work. You, you don't want people hating around you. Give them what they need to experience what you have and more. You don't have to worry about them hating because they happy, too. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the reason why people aren't happy what was what's the line in sports? Everybody eats. Yeah, if everybody eating, everybody happy. But if you just eating, everybody going, man, go and eat, man, go and eat. But after a while, I'll be like, really? When we gonna eat? Oh, they think they all that because they get to eat. You know, it's like so. That's the love hate you experiencing. Like you know, and some of y'all experiencing love hate because people can only take but so much of you eating all the time. <laughs> and they don't get to eat. After a while, they're going to be starving, right? Stand on your feet. That's, that's, that's enough for today. But, you know, we got to return to committed passion, right? Amen. Amen.